Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is the Mark Boris Podcast. Well, here we are. Um, uh, Nicholas, who's now who now thinks he's a uh, producer of the show, which is great. This is our little startup, and uh, Nick's the apprentice producer. He's doing a bloody good job. He's presented me during the week with a, a video on his uh, laptop of all the incubators and incubatees that he's been gone to talk to uh, over the last period of time, a week or so. It's his idea. I'm letting him run with it. Um, I've got an array of people who have got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight people outside of our normal little production crew. Um, all of you given their time. Um, it's uh, Wednesday morning as usual, and they've all come in to talk about what they do in terms of incubation and what, how or what their incubator experience is. And Nick's gone and done his own survey of it. So, Nick, over to you, mate. Produce. Well, firstly, I th- you know, I just want to thank everyone for having me through on Tuesday last week. Well, I had an absolute ball. Um, some of the spots that I went and visited were really cool. I, I, th- I think the, the highlight for me of the day was was um, David and um, and Mikey's spot down at Hub Sydney. Seems like a really cool spot. You guys got some cool stuff going on: table tennis, yoga, bean bags, drinks on a Thursday, oh, Wednesday, Tuesday, <laughs> every day of the week. Um, I actually, you know, what I'm thinking about getting down there on this Friday night and having some was having some oh, more please. fun with you guys. So, please, clink some glasses. Um, and look, I was actually really pleased. To, uh, you know, I suspected this, but I was actually really pleased to find out that the resounding resolve I think from all of you guys was that it's a you know massively positive experience being you know either part of a co-working space an incubator or in Aaron's case sort of a different style of model venture cap slash incubation model um, you guys so Aaron's got his own he's an incubator too it's Ben's incubator. Ben's incubator yeah, yeah Ben McGrath yep. yeah you're, you're an incubator you own Innovate yeah, yeah we call it Digital Forge Digital Forge yeah, so okay. we call ourselves a foundry we try to get away from incubator okay yeah. okay I'll, I'll come back to it. I want to know why because obviously there's a, a view on that. And Aaron, is it? Yes, Aaron. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, w- and what's your? What... So I'm actually part of their foundry. So Visual Amplifiers, a business that I run, is, is part of their right. So you're the guy foundry. with Visual Amplifiers. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Right, okay. Maybe tell us a bit about what um, Visual Amplifiers yeah, does. So uh, what we do, we basically have a platform which allows brands demographic product placement in Instagram. Yeah. We do it on a on a big scale, so it's giving brands maximum exposure, maximum reach, but then also underpinning it with marketing metrics and analytics, so brands can see how they their campaigns perform in the channel. Well, give me an example. Like let's say uh, this show here, how would we use? How would you help us use Instagram through your program? Uh, it's different with a, with a service, but it's just about basically getting um, you know the right people to kind of talk about uh, a particular. So whether it's this show or a product in particular or another service, it's about getting getting the influencers to kind of post or talk about it in their own natural flair and create content around this particular, whether it's a Mark Bora show or like I said, product specific. So um, you know what we try to do is obviously that kind of organic growth in the channel. So not not product endorsement, but product placement. So letting letting the influencers create content on a brand's behalf. So, so you're a Ben's incubator. Correct. Oh, well, yeah. uh, sorry, Foundry. Yes, okay. Foundry. Yeah. Okay. And uh, <coughs> can I ask a quick, quick? I mean, it's always a question in my mind. How do you make money? How will you make money? What's your model? What's your financial model? Well, obviously, I mean, for us, we obviously go through a couple of milestones. So initially, obviously, like a seed round, which is kind of the first round that we we do through Digital Forge. And we've just gone through another round of of funding, uh, which we just closed recently, um, which is kind of like our our sort of bigger or pre-IPO round. And I'll let Ben kind of discuss the model. But our, you know, the next sort of phase for us is a listing on the ASX, which will happen sort of March next year. And obviously, we'll raise more capital in that and expand into other markets. Like a reverse takeover or something like that? 
No, we, don't, we, we try to steer clear of RTOs. Um, we're more interested in going front door. Right. Um, from our point of view, at the moment, if the opportunity's there and the business is right, we do it. It's not our mandate to actually list a business. When we started uh, Digital Forge, we were originally trying to aggravate incumbents with disruptive technology. For Digital a, Forge being the so-called incubator, if you yeah, will. Yeah, if you yeah. like, yeah. So just to clarify, probably the difference with us is that we only take a few businesses in a year. We have a very heavy hand in helping ideate and then build out a business model. Because if you think of a startup, really, it's just a small business. Um, mm. But because it's in technical uh, or in digital world, it can actually scale much faster than a traditional business can. Uh, what we like to do is make sure that the actual underpinning business is a great business. So Digital Forge is already making more money than we spend. So it's already a cash positive business. So. So can I that. jump in for a second? You know, Ben's Ben's model. I actually really like Ben's model. So he he runs a very different sort of style to what you guys are used to experiencing. So he's got about two or three businesses in his offices down in Young Street at the moment, and um, you know they come to him basically. And I'll let Ben talk to you about the trend, but they come to him with ideas, and a lot of these guys don't have the capability to execute. So Ben's got a full team, so he's got all the technical resources, he invests cash into the businesses, he gives them mentorship, he connects them with you know, strategic partners, clients, customers, etc. And you know, eventually at some stage, yeah, they'll, they'll sort of become a bit more of their own and either list on the exchange, I think. Refined has, has already been listed, and what's the what's the market cap there at the moment? 125 million. How long has that business been going for, mate? About 14 weeks. It's, it's uh, no. How long since since inception? Oh, like, probably about eight months old. Eight months old. What's it do? Uh, it's an employee engagement platform. So, uh, essentially, what it does is creates amazing experiences for employees in corporates. So, spell it. R E W F I N D. R E F N is the ticker. Yeah. It has multiple pillars. So the first pillar that goes out to an organisation is for employment. So to actually be able to refer jobs from your organisation to people in your network. The second pillar is engagement. So being able to actually do pulse checks of your organisation in real time, any cohort that you like. The third pillar is uh, embrace. So being able to uh, self-peer-peer recognition. So to be able to reward people in your organisation. And the fourth pillar, which is coming, is educate. So short one to three minute video form content. So, and what, what do you take a clip out of it? I mean, how do you work? Uh, well, that's a house project. So we had 100% <clears> of that project when we started. On market, we've got 48% of that okay. project um, after the listing. Right, Someone good. actually wrote in, like, during the week to, her name was Demi, and she, was, she, was, she listened to the show that we talked about a few weeks ago when we talked about, you know, costs and trade-offs to joining these places. And, you know, I basically told Demi that you got to really, from, from, from your guys' point of view, you've got to take a very balanced view of, of, of the decision. So you've got to think about, you know, whether, like really evaluate yourself, your business and what your capabilities are. And in some cases, you know, giving up X percentage of your business may be well and truly worth it. And so what are you providing about? Well, I mean, for us, I mean, like it's, for us, it's not really, I didn't look at it as the percentage or anything like that. It's more the, the learning curve and the opportunity to actually grow a business and so work you, in something. You're that, looking at the value, the, exactly. the value that Ben's mm, providing. I, I get it. So, yeah. so you're endorsing what Nick just said. You're prepared to give stuff away and, and yeah. whatever the percentage is because you'd rather have a, a smaller percentage Absolutely. of a bigger business of a business yeah. or something that works yeah. than have a percentage of nothing because if you're on your own you're gonna get nothing. That, that's makes sense. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. And is that and the general cool. experience, Ben? Yeah. Yeah, essentially. Um you know, How do you stop yourself from robbing them? I mean like serious. I mean go, I mean, okay, let, let's be real here, right? Yep. I'm a businessman. Yep. And if I see an opportunity to get an extra ten percent, I'm gonna take it, okay? Yep. If I can. Yep. But at the same time I know it's not cool because you'll it's not burn, as cool. you'll burn yep. You'll burn the flow of new opportunities going, going through. So how do you balance that shit up? Well, I suppose mm. that's one of the reasons that Forge exists is by taking on a lower number, we're actually concentrating on making them successful. You know, if we were an incubator in the traditional sense, you're playing a numbers game. And often if you have uh, costs that the businesses that you bring in have to bear and they're going to die out, nine in ten of them die out. So literally I have to play a numbers game. So yeah, I'm actually correct. more skewed towards not caring about the businesses if I do volume. So you pre-screen? Yeah, so we so out of 100 businesses we took five. Right, okay. Uh, and then out of... How, how, they, they concentrate a lot more of their resources on a much smaller number. Yeah, yeah, so okay. they need yeah, 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 yeah. And we do it sequentially, so we don't work on two businesses at once. We only work on one business at once. Yeah. Part of what we like to do is put the money into sales and marketing, and part of that is actual growth for the company itself, so hiring. Uh, so we're in the stage at the moment with VAMP of hiring out the team for that. Okay. We yeah. should move on, I guess. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Okay. So, I'm, uh, Thank you. Thanks very much. Some, some, <clears throat> something else I was really interested to sort of see out there is, is 
the difference. It's not just tech going on out there in Sydney. It's such a variety that we've got in the show, on the show today. We've got Mikey's business. He's a film and production crew. We've Which got, one's Mikey? He's a guy down the end. He's he does something similar to you know I was filming him and he knew all the cues the other day because that's what he does day to day. Mikey, maybe tell us a little bit about what you what you guys are and up where to. and where your where your station. I mean where, where your yeah, I'm down in Pub Sydney, so just down the road from you guys here. Um, I'm a digital production agency, I guess you'd call it. Uh, we do films for a lot of nonprofits and social enterprises and startups. Basically, our thing is telling stories, getting that story craft right, because you can, you know, that skill of telling a story and having something worthy to say, you can put it in a lot of different packages, but if you've got the story right, it'll travel on its own. It'll get that social reach. It'll go on Instagram and those other platforms. So that's our whole thing about so that. So like, you would just say, say you're a storyteller? Like, Definitely. Tell me your story. Uh, yeah, look, I was a journalist too uh, before. You're American um, or Canadian? Canadian? Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, but I got Stabbed all Canadian the heart, Mark. No, but, oh, I got, but I got all, Can- all Canadian in there just before you had a chance. So I, oh, that's geez, yeah. Thing, oh, nice little backpedal there. <laughs> no, no, I'm okay. So yeah, Canuck. And uh, yeah, we just, um, yeah, journalists by background. And you know what I love about oh, it nowadays yeah. is we can all take advantage of any platform we want. And as long as we've got a good story to tell, it'll travel on its own. It'll hit social media channels. You know, I'm mainly working in social change campaigns, stuff that's kind of shitty stuff like, you know, gender violence and poverty and there's all these other shitty issues out there. But it's about changing the conversation, inspiring people to do something about these issues, join causes, figure out what actions they can take. And that means having great stories about, your, about people's potential to move on these issues. So you're a story crafter? Primarily, but then yeah. I'm using like, you know, we we have this awesome little studio here. It's not like we have to be the ABC nowadays or Fairfax to do this kind of stuff ourselves. We we got the technology in our hands to make stories and put it in front of our audiences, and that's what my thing is all about. Except I'm doing it for social change. Okay, so just so I can just summarize, and which is unfair yeah. because you've only been here a couple minutes, but um, <laughs> have a crack. Social change is the content primarily. Yeah. Primarily, so yeah. social change being. How do we fix poverty? How do we fix malaria? How do we fix yeah. you know abuse, yeah. etc.? Yeah. Yeah. You choose a number of those, or any one of those, or do you yeah. wait for people to bring the issue to you? Uh, we wait. We have a lot of people coming to us. I've got a pretty high demand business because a lot of these you know nonprofits and stuff they want to take advantage of these platforms just like the rest of us. Yep. Yeah. The, the little twist on that, though, that I want to bring to you today, since we're talking about investment and you know. In capital raises and stuff, is nowadays there's people talking about this thing called impact investment. You guys heard of it here before? Tell me about it. Okay. It's all Especially about... Especially the people who have been listening. The yeah, sure, sure, sure. Uh, in a nutshell, it's investment for social enterprises that can deal with a problem but deliver both a financial and a social return. Sounds like, you know, sounds like the platypus did when people first heard about it. It's like, is that really possible to do that? Can you actually measure social good as well as a financial return? I work with people that believe that is possible. There are, There is a massive thing going on with this thing called social benefit bonds. There's one here, there's two here in Australia where there's like a $10 million investment times two here in New South Wales into non-profits, the Benevolent Society, doing social change for like, you know, families that are in the really rough shape. They're like families who, you know, might have drug problems and their kids are getting take, taken away from them. But the society is actually trying to fix that problem. And the rate that they can fix that problem is the rate that the investors who invest in this problem under the bond will get a return on that investment. Now, that's in the millions. So that's another form of this investment that's happening in the world. And I think investors nowadays are asking themselves the question, can I do something more positive with my money? Can I make my money do more than just make more money? Can I actually put social good onto that as well? And the good news is, is that's happening in the world today. And where do you buy one of these um, social bonds or investor bonds for uh, social good? It goes through. It's this really complicated mechanism. It involves you know the treasury offices and you know a lot of legal. Oh, so it's government sponsored. Yeah, it's a yeah. government sponsored thing. That's why it's a government bond. Mm. Okay? Right. Oh, it's a government bond. Yeah, it's yeah, a government okay, with bond with a social impact attached to it. Exactly. With a government guarantee on the return. Or the government says, yes. oh, we'll pay well, there's you. Two, there's two classes. You can, you can take a more risky investment and yeah. get more return, yeah, or yeah. you can do like, you can get just like, you know, the guaranteed return on it because it's, it's very new. So they didn't want to put in a lot of investors at risk. Yeah. So, so you're aggregating all these parts, though. So. I'm telling the story about this stuff. I'm, right. In my work, it's to, to, to talk about, you know, this new way of using money, basically, in, in terms of doing investment, but also adding social purpose to it. That's a story to me. Okay. That's, how old that's are you? massive how old change. Are you? 
Oh, shit. <laughs> Come on. You're not young. Because I, I want to get a general sense of the age of everyone. Yeah, well, most people can't see me here, but I've got that Asian gene. I'm 36, but uh, might, uh, some people think, are you 22? <laughs> so, but, Mate, but cop the, the yeah. 22. <laughs> yeah, I should. Where's the old piano room, Matt? I was about to card you when you walked in. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't belong this far. <laughs> okay, we're gonna, thank, you, thank you for that. We'll no move to the next guy. Uh, da- so actually, I, actually David, David was also at Hub Sydney as well. Like We might just sort of quickly. David. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, David and Mikey are both at Hub Sydney down but not, not together though. No, 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 they're sharing the space. Sharing the space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. David and I had a had a good good chat over a game of table tennis down there, and um, <laughs> Who won? He, you know he's by a long way. <laughs> Hang on, David. This is knuckle. No, cool. That's, That's right. You were yeah. doing the table tennis. What's yeah. this guy's name? Uh, Francisco. Francisco. He's yeah. at he's at uh, ATP. ATP. I was going to do I, I, I was going to do Francis and Francisco because they both. Okay, go for it. Okay, so Nokel is a platform for small businesses, startups, freelancers, soloists. Spell your name. K-N-O-K-A-L. Thank you. And basically it's just to help them find customers and also to help them find other little small businesses that can help them grow. Cool. And, mate, tell, tell us a little bit about your um, experience down at the Hub. You, you, you loved it, right? Or you yeah, lo- you're I, loving it? I'm loving it. it. It's been a good transition for me because I came from 10 years of corporate B2B sales. So I'm not a tech person Killer. in the slightest. Yeah. Yeah. Had my moments. Yeah. And, yeah, now it's been really good because I've got a structure. I've got a desk. I've got an office. I can go in there every day and just get into a routine, which I'm so used to, while at the same time doing something that's completely different for me. So can I, I just – because I was watching you on the, on the video, mm-hmm. and one of the thoughts went through my mind, just a quick thought. Now, it's not, this is not a rational thought. It's just a quick thought, quick, like, a second. Mm-hmm. I thought to myself, I wonder if – you are representative of a, a number of people who go to the incubators and it's sort of like a cool existence and there's, you know, 75% of it's about the cool existence, the beanbags, the table tennis, the social environment, Friday night drinks, and, it's, and it is a nice place. And then the balance of it is about the idea. And am I being correct or incorrect or have you observed that or have you observed that about yourself? Um, well, I've got a one-year-old at home, so I don't get involved get in away. most of the social stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, Bouncing around the table, tennis table, eh? I think I tried for about three weeks to work from home. Right. And Elmo's a distraction, the dog's a distraction, so it was more about having somewhere to go every Okay, day. so it really is structure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and it happens, so it happens to be a, 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 you know, a nice structure. Yeah. A pleasant structure, better than B2B corporate bullshit. Exactly. I, I can choose my hours, I can choose my tasks, I'm my own boss. But I'm also somewhere that is an office. Okay, so given that flexibility, because flexibility can, like, when I, my first six months of university, I was, when I went to university, I was 17, okay, and I was very, too young. And uh, I went from a school environment where I had to be at school a certain time and do this subject and extra bloody work and all sorts of stuff. And I went to university in New South Wales, and all of a sudden I was in a position where um, I could do whatever I fucking wanted, okay? Didn't have to, university in New South Wales, so didn't have to attend lectures, never got your name put down, at shoots, but didn't really matter. Um, I did pretty well in the HSC, so I, fa- I thought to myself, this is all easy stuff. Um, and I just did what I fucking wanted, okay? Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. And yeah. Of course, first year, in the first semester, I filed my two subjects out of four because mm-hmm. I didn't go to one lecture, one tutorial, and I just thought I could just turn up exam and pass, which I didn't. <laughs> and I was doing subjects I'd never done before. So, uh, you know, like, talk about back yourself. But it's about, mine was down, it comes down to maturity, but it's also lack of structure or moving from a really structured environment to a non-structured environment. In other words, pleasing myself. Mm-hmm. I would get a bit worried now if I was in a position to please myself. In my current lifestyle, business lifestyle, whilst I can turn up looking like this today, which is, you know, T-shirt, whatever, normally I need that environment where I must go to work at a certain time because I know there are people who need to see me. You know, I need that environment. Mm-hmm. How do you deal with that? And, and, or is this just a new generational thing? You guys are better at it than someone of my age. Um, I think you create your own environment. So I'm probably more corporate than 90% of the companies down there, just the way I have my task lists every day. I have my email set up, all that sort of thing. But also I'm doing my MBA at the moment, so it's been a transition of staying organised, so I really haven't changed much. Okay, so is there any other you guys want to add? Because, I mean, to me, it would be an issue for me, I think. I think, I'm not sure. But anyone, throw in, jump in. I think for me at least. Say your name first. Francisco. Okay. Um, So from Sonda. I think... From my experience, though, the dangerous thing about a startup, there's always more work to do. So, like, you see a lot of startups, particularly ATP, they'll work weekends. And it's kind of the opposite. There's this association that, oh, it's, like, like less than nine to five. It's quite flexible. But I think it's way worse than that. It's so like, you, you, you say you're more likely to spend more hours. Ten hours, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, okay. you, you, you marry to the job. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Okay, that, that's a revelation. That's a real good and, revelation. And, and Francisco, tell us about your product, mate, because we want to, you know, yeah. the show, we want to give everyone Speaker. a plug here. Um, so I'm from Sondo. If you Google Sondo keyboard, S-O-N-D-E-R, uh, we're developing an e-ink module that goes into laptops. Um, so originally we'll, so we founded this year with my twin. Uh, originally we are going to manufacture a standalone product. Uh, about four weeks ago we got an offer from Taiwanese company, so we're just integrating it to laptops. So, so uh, layman's terms, you've got a like, universal keyboard. Yeah, right? so the keys physically, the keys actually change. So if I change languages, change programs, the keys actually change. But it's like a virtual keyboard. It's oh, but it's still tactile. Yeah. It is. Yeah, so it's pretty neat. I'll, I'll show it to you. Uh, I'd like to give you a demonstrator. Yeah, okay, yeah. cool. And uh, you, where are you? Where, where is Sonda? Uh, we're based at Australian Technology Park. ATP, yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, it's a really cool space. Like for us, we did all our development there. We got our first grant, uh, expanded the team to six, uh, or now it's 10 people, so. So that's a collaboration of, uh, was it Sydney Uni, NSW? Oh, uh, yeah, so the four unis, uh, ANU, I think you said, uh, and UNSW, um, yeah. and they obviously fund the space, but yeah. they offer a space that allows us to do manufacturing, obviously to um, like recruit and build a team. Uh, and then second to that is also getting exposure to uh, like government grants and so forth. So there's so another... And, and, and Francisco, Francisco? Yeah, right? yeah. <coughs> Frank? Uh, that's my to be. Yeah. <laughs> What's your last name? Uh, no, but it's my old man's name. Okay. We're both I was going to say, his name is Francisco Frank. It was Francisco. <laughs> Call him Junior. Now, uh, but, but, mate, but, you know, I know, because what you're saying, and I think everyone's sort of agree, you're more likely to spend more hours yeah. than everybody else, right? Yeah. Yeah. And everyone's sort of pretty much yeah. sort of agree with that. Can I ask you guys, is it because you're all obsessed? It's, it's a passion. You're all obsessed? Yeah. 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 It's not yeah. a passion. Fuck a passion. Yeah. Obsessed. Yeah. If you're the one who's running the business, um, you've always got to be name on call. Uh, Michael Kong. Yeah. <laughs> Again, Michael. Yeah. Um, you've always got to be on call. So that means like sometimes you might just get like a random email of something important in the middle of the night, and you have to go check it. You have to, you have to go work on it. Sometimes something random just happens. But well, why do you it. go and do it, uh, Michael? It's, why, when you get an, if I send you an email, and I'm the same associate with you in some form in the business, and I send you an email at midnight. Why do you feel as though you're going to go and do that? You've got to do that. What, what makes you do it? What motivates you compared to some guy who works at the tax office and he goes to work more. every day? It just means more. Is it greed? Yeah. What is it? What are we talking about here? What are we trying to do? He's been running the business, really. yeah. Okay. It's, so, Francisco, yeah. what did you say? It's over that or failure. Okay. Yeah. You develop David? an emotional sort of bond with your business. It becomes an extension of you. So, if it fails, you fail. Sorry, your name again? Mikey, yeah. Mikey, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, all these businesses are our own babies, Mark. They, 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 these things will live and die by whether we feed it or not. So. Okay, exactly. Oh, you haven't said anything. What about you? Oh, me. Yeah, what about you? Why, yeah, yeah. why, why, why are, you, are you obsessed or what? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very obsessed and passionate. Yeah, we're building actually a new fintech financial technology service. Uh, it's called. the right guy. Here we go. <laughs> That's why I asked her to come over with me. <laughs> it's called Persolo. It's from Latin Finance. Uh, yeah, we chose this interesting name. Uh, so what we're doing, we're actually offering um, freelancers, uh, sellers of boutique products, tradies, nonprofits. Actually, yeah. So we're targeting this, you know, social impact and yeah, social sphere. Uh, they can actually create just a payment form in a simple click and just share it. So this actually, people can collect donations by just clicking uh, on the URL and they can donate. So we're providing this uh, service to create the simple URLs and share them cross-platform. What's your background? Yeah. Tell me what you're doing. Um, so I'm from Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. so it's Ukrainian, Austra uh, Australian. Did you get educated there? Uh, yes, but I... Uh, in sociology. Sociology. So okay. I have no tech. Uh, you so know, why? No tech tell me your story. Why did you go from sociology to this? Um, yeah. So I came to Australia to do my PhD. So I just submitted a, uh, two weeks ago my PhD, big project. So I've done PhD in behavioral and social sciences. Yeah. So uh, I have more than six years of experience in market research. So I have been a kind of you know this corporate background as well. I'm very structured and I always give a plan you know for myself what to do you know for each day and for for the business. So um, yeah. So you would say. You can live in this environment everyone in this room lives in because you have a structured mind. Your uh, mind's structured. Yeah, but I believe, you know, if you want to succeed, you have to have, in a way, a structured plan. At least you have a plan, right? What well, not everybody achieve? thinks that way, and that's no, sort of what I'm trying to get at because, I mean, Ben, I'm sure yeah, you, you, when you, you, you suss people out and say, mate, you're not suited for this environment because whilst you've got a bloody good idea, you're going to get on the piss all the time. Or not you, I'm talking about someone who you, who, <laughs> someone who you, someone who you push out. Yeah, well, we probably... Do you have that experience? Because bear in mind, we're talking to people who are listening to us who might want to do this stuff, you know, and they're trying to look yeah. at what your experience is here. Probably, Not everybody, but... Probably the one thing that we really look for in uh, people that bring us ideas <clears throat> is coachability. So people are actually willing to listen to others and involve them. And have rather than Yeah. I mean, it'd be no different than you <coughs> starting Wizard. You would have pulled ridiculous hours to get that up off Still the ground. Do. There you go. 
So you know, everybody here, as I think somebody said before, it's your baby. Um, it is. Everybody here is really passionate about driving their own projects forward. So you don't really have to can actually. I, but are you particularly structured people thinkers? I go. I got four oh. sons. Nick's one of them. I got three more. Right. Nick is more obsessed. Nick's obsessed. Okay. With all this sort of stuff, <laughs> yep. business, everything. Right. And he's always been that way yep. since a little boy. So and he thinks a certain way. The others don't think that way. And it's not a matter of who's brighter or not brighter, it's a matter of sort of who thinks a certain way, in my view. And the people who become successful are the people who think, think a certain way. And successful in the, I'm talking about in the traditional terms, making lots of money because they come up with something new that no one else has done, okay? And it takes a certain personality to, yeah, to do it. Yeah, a certain persistence that's required as well, right? So you can have the greatest idea in the world, but if you're lazy, it'll never get realised. And, yep. and most people have great ideas and sit there and think, geez, one day... You know, these guys have uh, hats off to them. You know, every one of them sort of gone out there to chase their idea, which is great, and if they stick with it long enough and it's a good enough idea, success will come. Well, yeah. Let me jump in for a sec, because Olga mentioned something about her background and training. That, that's a topic, an interesting topic Ben raised with me, actually, about a trend here in Australia with, with all you guys. It seems like a fair few of you are, in fact, technical, but, Ben, you were telling me that you were seeing a lot of, a lot of the guys that come and pitch to you don't actually have a technical background in the business that they want to create. Yeah, is that, how's, that, how's that different from the rest of the world? Well, I don't know if it's part of the Australian psyche of just having a go. You know, we've got yeah. two people here that are, you know, not Australian uh, by birth, but yep. um, I don't know, what's a show of hands? Who here is not technical Mikey's by nature? One of them. Who's the other guy who's not Australian by birth? Yeah, so, so three out of eight people here aren't technical. You know, they're commercial founders. So really what they need is support more in realising the idea from a technical perspective, mm. whereas the technical people probably need more support in realising their idea from a sales, marketing, business growth perspective. Would that sound accurate uh, to you guys? I mean, the thing about a startup, you have to be good at everything. So even if you're not coming... If, like, for me, uh, I come from... I disagree with that all entirely. Good at everything. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think oh, yeah, that, but that's I mean, a much yeah. better statement. You have yeah. to get a team that's good at everything. Like, a lot of people... What we like to say is, you know, it's like trying to uh, trying to get Clint Eastwood for every movie. A guy who can write, act, direct and do it all. You know, you're much better off getting Tom Cruise's people that do one role really well and that, yeah. that's the role that you need in your business and build and assemble a team that can actually grow the company out. Stop thinking that everybody's going to be the next Mark Zuckerberg because those guys aren't, you know, yes. on every corner. I actually wanted to jump in. My name's Francis. I'm from uh, Propeller Aero, we're called. Um, and we actually, we're a drone data platform. We help drone pilots deliver their data to big industries. Um, and I actually want to jump in just to talk about the importance of having the right co-founder, I guess, because I'm a technical co-founder and he's a technical co-founder, and yet we're completely different. Um, I had a background in enterprise IT and it helped do security at big banks for a long time before I jumped in to do a startup. And uh, I was actually a contractor, but I was at the NBN, I was at NRMA for a while, I was at NAB for a while, I did a, did a lot of different stuff and saw a lot of different teams, which is a great skill to have when you're starting a startup. And um, I met a guy who was a robotics expert. He's a guy that has helped run the UNSW uh, you know, drone society um, and can basically make an autonomous flying vehicle with some string and some masking tape. And cool. it was a really valuable, like, like you know, combination of skills that came together to make it possible for us to do what we've done because we're actually plugging in the guys that know all about the drones and know about capturing data and getting out there um, together with expertise in how companies actually want to use that data because they need to be able to access it easily and put workflows over it. <coughs> so for, for me and, and for Roy, my co-founder at Propeller, um, the most valuable thing was was finding that combination of skills, and that's actually what unlocked a big opportunity for us that we're well, working so on now. So, what does your incubator offer you then? So, ATP Innovations was obviously where I met Rory, uh, which is perhaps the the number one value proposition. It's a it's a network opportunity, and there's a lot of really smart companies around there. I mean, um, Francisco, who was talking before, is right outside our office. He keeps stealing our um, yeah, multimeter and, you know, we'll come in and grab the soldering iron every now and again. Um, but um, there's some amazing companies around there who have, you know, helped introduce us to customers. They've, you know, been able to really quickly, like, fire off a, you know, quick answer to a really complex technical question we might have. Um, and also, like, it, there's a lot of value in the right environment for starting up because it is a crazy time and ATPI does provide a really good environment that helps you know keep you on a level as you go through a roller coaster of starting a business you, you guys are open-ended as well there's no end to your like there's not a you don't have to be out of there in 12 weeks or anything do you guys yeah that's right no i mean it's it's um it's a portfolio um 
incubator company. So, sure. and sure. we've we've started renting office space there because our team's grown out to to seven people now. So I might just mention Dad. Olga's in a program where she's twelve weeks or something at um, um, at Incubate. Fourteen. Right? Fourteen, fourteen, fourteen yeah. weeks. Fourteen. Sorry. Fourteen, 14. 14. fourteen weeks at Incubate, whereas these guys at ATP there is no end date. They can stay there as long as they like. And what do you do? Uh, so we don't, we don't charge anybody. We actually put all the money in. So and how long can they stay? As long as as long as it takes. Yeah. yeah. So we've I mean we've had businesses in when we go through the ideation sessions, uh, and then try to work out what the business model is going to be. If they're not going to be a big enough business, we're quite happy to give the idea back to the founder, and the only cost to them is their time. Right. And how do you is that a mutual decision or? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if they they want to pursue it after we've kind of worked with them on it and shown them how big the opportunity could be, and they want to take it forward, and we don't, then it's. You know, handshake and... How do you, how do you resolve disputes? Oh, we haven't had too many, to be honest. No, um, that's good. Pro- probably a shouting match, no. But, uh, <laughs> Arm wrestle. Yeah, I think we sort of try to reason through everything. You're always trying to look at the same well, same problem from multiple angles because ultimately you want to choose the best path. So you don't want to be sort of too many blinkers on. So when you've got, you know, when you're working with different people all the time, that actually introduces foreign matter and that, that's a good thing for you to actually work with as well. So you're always getting different perspectives. So I guess what we've got is we've got we've got two different models. Three, actually. Three, yeah, we've got co-working spaces. For those who are listening, tell us the three different models. We've got co-working spaces, we've got incubators, and we've got, I guess Ben's more like a partner, you know, he's, he's, uh, he's you know, he contributes capital, expertise, mentorship, and he's he's involved day to day. You know, I've, I've seen Ben's involvement, and it's pretty involved. So, um, you know, and, they, and I guess, you know, when you're deciding to, to, to go into which one, you need to think about which one suits you best, you know, each so case by case. Francis, isn't it? Because yeah, right. um, a lot of Francisco uh, and Francis, yeah, Francis. So, but, but fr- Francis, um, you would say you've got a light touch environment because of you've got a team there now and you've got a co co-founder with you. Is it? Would that be fair well, to say? Well, I mean, we've actually been through a lot of the different startup journeys. I suppose we started it at the co-working space inside ATPI. Then we joined the portfolio um, after kind of explaining the business and proving out that we were going to get something going. Um, and we've also been through an accelerator program, which I guess is the, the high-touch model. So you're more evolved. Um, yeah, well, look, we've been That's around for 14 months. Yeah. Um, we're, we're, we feel like we're, we're in a great spot and it's a really exciting space is the way that companies are starting to use drones to do all kinds of interesting things. Um, I usually respire my neighbour at my farm. Yeah, okay. Uh, we might not sign you up to the platform to, uh, to, to yeah, share that data. Because it was doing work, so it was illegal work, so I just I got, I hired somebody to go and film it. Yeah, yeah, I mean... And that, then I, show, I only showed it to him, I didn't show it to him, I just showed it to him just to let him know I knew what was going on. Yeah, I mean, look, probably not our core demographic activity, actually. It's just... Uh, it I've paid like, five grand for it, so I, I could have bought the bloody drone for five grand. We're probably so. missing a trick, actually, but... Um, um, so, so I get we 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 went through Startmate at the start of this year, and Startmate's for global technology companies looking to scale up really quickly. And we were in Silicon Valley for six weeks back in April and May as well, raising our seed round there as well as from Australia. So that's a that's a high touch environment, and it's a really intense process. So going through an accelerator means being told every day, go and call another customer. You haven't called enough. Um, go and talk to some more people about how they're using their products because a lot of tech founders naturally want to sit around and build something amazing and it's not going to be an amazing thing that anyone uses if you haven't talked to your customers a million times. I can't agree more because I, I chair a tech yeah. company and I go, it's full of um, engineers and uh, they will, they think it's a Meccano set and it's, they're there just to play games until I, I until until I see him wasting fucking money. It is the uh, I mean it's it's the fun bit and it's the bit that I I try and do I guess like I mean like Francisco said it's hard to get away from work but if I really want to do something tech I, I probably do it sitting in front of the TV in the evening and you know the the day is for for running the business and keeping that going because we've got a great tech team building really good stuff anyway. Can, can, can you remind me your name again? Oh Michael. Michael. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Michael. Um, I want to hear a little bit more about you. So you're at ATP. Um, no, I'm at the Incubate Hub at the University of Sydney. University, yep. okay. So you're the only one who's at Incubate Hub? No. You're oh, as well? Yes. She's with the same Incubate Hub okay. as... Okay, okay. Yeah. so we've got Sydney University yes. represented okay. between Michael and Olga. Yeah? And yeah. I also went through the same program. But you're, but you're not there anymore. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's very incestuous. So you're, you're, a, you're a serial incubator. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's similar to what Francis said, like you evolve and you go through... Yeah, 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 okay, okay. So just tell me a little bit more about what you do now. Um, so I run a company with Matthew Mills called Higher Flow, and basically called High Flow. Higher Flow, yeah. H O G H. Just Higher and Flow, one word. Right. Yeah. Okay. Higher and hiring people. H-I-R-E. Spell it. Yeah. H I R E. H I R E F L O W. Right. Okay. 
And the entire purpose of the site is to make hiring as frictionless and as easy as possible. So one of the problems out there is that um, there's a lot of good solutions out there, but only for specific things. So like there might be like a company that specializes in video interviewing, a company that specializes in testing, a company that specializes in keeping your data there as like an African tracking system. And so what we want to do is have one platform, have all these services from other companies on the one platform and just provide all the features and functionalities that companies need in order to make the hiring as fast as possible and as effortless as possible. So, so, so there's a big software component to make this work? I mean, this yeah. is... Can so I, can what, I summarise? Because we actually spoke to Matt, his, yeah. um, his partner on the day, mm-hmm. and Matt couldn't be here today, which is why Michael's joined us. But you guys are sort of like aggregating um, all the, like Seek and uh, My Careers, all those sorts of places, yes. and giving yeah. employers a one-stop shop. To, to hiring people and putting recruit, recruitment out there? Is that yes, essentially right? that's yeah, what we're yeah. doing, yeah. yeah. So aggre- you're an aggregation platform, so you are a software business. Yes. So of, the, of all of you, who, is, who, would say, who would say that they're A, a software business, or B, they're a business that is aided by software? Which one's your... So the hardware works with software. Too. So you're a, you're a hardware, hardware business? business. Keyboard, yeah. yep. Yeah, uh, aided by software? <laughs> Correct. Ours is all software. All it's software. About matching people. Mike? Business aided by software. Yeah. Aided, okay. Yeah, totally aided. Yeah. Michael? Uh, software business. Yep. Yep. Mm. Francis? We're, we're software with like drones on the front cover. Yeah, so your, your hardware was software. Well, we don't fly drones and we have them around the office. Oh, you don't fly the drones? You, so you help drone businesses yeah, drag yeah. the information and send it to wherever they've got yeah, to disseminate like it? Yeah, it's a smart web platform with a bunch of cool tools for measuring the data. So they, they hook into that? Aggregating drone data. Yeah. Okay, so, so so I'm a drone operator. I, I, I'm guy. Then I've got it. I'm taking visual film of um, farm next yep. door to me. Yep. I want to disseminate that to all the government agencies yeah. because the guy's doing something illegal. I use your software. It's yeah. sort of like along those lines. Yeah, it's for like a <coughs> quarry company, a mining company to have all of them like measurements and maps of their mines in one place, and yep. where they're able to compare and measure them straight away. Okay. So it's actually taking advantage of this kind of data which you couldn't collect before and now there is actually a need for new tools to be able to adopt it inside an enterprise so- software definitely yep. yeah so every, everything from building campaigns to obviously running marketing analytics and stuff at the back end of our campaigns and initiatives so software end-to-end okay yeah. and, and, and yeah, all the software, software. Well. so what's interesting i mean like because there is this perception out there that everybody like you know geeks propeller heads people going incubators or whatever you want to call them you know Foundries um, are all technical based, like technology based, um, but it's not quite the case. Technology's it, everywhere. I mean, technology is a common denominator. Every, but they're not tech, is, we're not talking about technology businesses. But, every, but a lot of businesses out there are using software and technology to deliver their service. So I mean, you know, your your product is aimed at recruit people, recruiters, and and and, and businesses, right? That are looking to employ new people. Yes, employers. Yeah, um, you know. Um, Francisco's business is aimed at you know anybody who needs to you know change the layout of their keyboard so they can correspond in another language. Mikey's business is is film and production. You know, Olga's business is financial services, but it's all using technology and all using software. Correct. So the, the common denominator is technology, but Correct. not not all of them are just technology, which is the basic thing that people think that people go on incubators and all they're doing is sitting in there cutting code all day long. And I, I think that that's something I want to dispel straight away. I mean, I think you'd agree with that, Ben. Like. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, that's important, isn't it? Yeah, and there's a lot of, um, you know, right now with things like drones and mobile phone being prevalent and growing, you know, there's a lot of blue sky that these guys can uh, build solutions for that help everyday business. Yeah, er, er, correct. So, and so, and how, do you, how exciting do you see, I mean, where are we in Australia relative to the rest of the world and how exciting do you see, see given that you may have some experience of what goes on overseas, do you think Australia or Sydney, for example, we're just talking about Sydney today, is an exciting place in terms of what we've got to offer the markets, what guys like this can do? Yeah, like there's, um, there's a huge amount of uh, creativity in Australia. Being a smaller pool, it'd be great to see a bit more government sponsorship around uh, no, helping these businesses get up, out. up and say running. It, say it, say it. And hopefully we see that with the changing well, government. What would you like to see out of Turnbull? Uh, we'd like to see some probably tax incentives being given out to early stage tech groups to that actually foster keeping money. the talent here. That assumes they're going to make money I mean, what, what about... Well, you have, to, you have to give a goal to people to actually stay here before they go overseas. Okay, so stop the brain drain first of all. Okay, right? that's and important, yeah. Once, once you've got that, then if you can keep people here, then the knowledge flows back down. So the successful businesses and what they learn, then they can actually teach the next generation, which then grows the 
whole culture. So that stops people moving away as well. So if you've got a very small business and it grows very rapidly and you, you then have a lot of money, you could actually, you know, contribute that money into actually sponsoring the next business ideas as well rather than giving it to the government. Yep. Like, one thing I'd love to see from the um, from Turnbull in government is a bit of a change in attitude to government engaging with startup businesses and with technology, and not just like through the tax system or incentives, but actually the fact that in addition um, to. perhaps in addition to, but um, but the fact is that it's really hard to sell your startup to a government customer. There's a lot of forms, there's a lot of bureaucracy. And we all know there's a lot of government websites that aren't the best websites in the world, and that pale in comparison to like your average startup thing. And I read a great thing about how the Obama administration has kind of more or less recruited some top talent from Silicon Valley, shipped them over to DC, and got them to start rebuilding a bunch of government websites and rethinking a bunch of government processes. Okay, well, we might get a, a note from you on that, Nick, and uh, we might send it off to Turnbull. I'll send it off to Turnbull. Sure. I sent him an email the other day, but I don't think he checked it. No, a mate, a mate, a mate, of, mine, a mate of mine was doing the rounds on his phone, phone book asking for marriage equality, you know, shoulder, yeah, yeah, yeah. to marry his partner one day. And so I sent, an, sent him an email, dear Malcolm, please... Uh, Please pass marriage equality. <laughs> Regards, Nick. I don't think I don't think he looked at it though. Well, you know the surname. I, 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 I mean, he's our local member, but yeah. so um, but, um, and he's also a Mount Rooster supporter. I should add. Um, but what? I, but I'm serious. But what, what we should do is get. You know, maybe we could funnel some of these things off to the government. Um, you know, because individually it's going to be half the government to pay attention. But um, if we sort of get a, a group thing going, maybe they will pay attention because you know, at the end of the day, it's going to make them more popular, and that's what it's about: popularity and. And popularity comes from doing what the social conscience wants, and uh, maybe we can help be part of that. Um, you know, sort of, ma- but make some solid suggestions. What actually works? I mean, you've got more of an idea. All of you got more of an idea what actually works than say government would have, because they're on the flip side of it. Um, so maybe we could see that. I mean, uh, do something about that, Francis. May- yeah. So you, you want you? What you're saying is, businesses like yours and others yep. need a fast track into government services in order that you can tender for their business, yeah. for example. And I mean, it's more like a, it's a, there's a bit of a mindset shift that needs to happen. I mean, yesterday, Uber got 40 car registrations banned. And, you know, that's just a legacy fact about like the fact that we used to need a licensed taxi industry, but now we have smartphones and an internet that tells you how many stars a driver has. Like there isn't a need for taxi plate licensing systems anymore. And that's very disruptive. And it's really bad news for a lot of um, for a lot of regular people, but the government does need to be looking at that change and managing it properly and not kind of and putting quickly. its head on the sand yeah. and quickly. So that's just one emblematic example, I think, of how um, government government activities are going to be disrupted. It's not just about the government kind of taxing people too much. It's also about the government's a big part of the economy. Uh, it's a big part of what we do, like uh, doing drone surveying has big implications for environment and safety and mapping and so on. So we want to be able to engage government and give them the benefits of this technology, um, but it's 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 hard to do and we're working through it and it would be great for for people to be thinking about how can we actually engage startups to solve our problems and not just put out an RFT with $90 million on it. Mm. Like anyone else in the room want to say anything to the government? Yeah, look, I've heard a lot about talk from Turnbull about innovation, and it's really engaging in what's possible, what the potential is, versus the culture of fear and terrorism and metadata that we've had for from Brandis for the last several years. It's it's just that's the culture of it. They've they've got this conservative sort of backward thinking there that you know when you say and, and you know you want to change the environment, we actually need a culture shift into into taking advantage of these opportunities. And I think that comes from the language of it too. It's it's innovation that's going to save money. At the end of the day, it's going to drive new economic opportunities. It's going to create jobs for people. This is the stuff the Liberal government wants just as well, but they just have to create the enabling environment for it and permit these innovations to exist. So what, would you suggest? so what would you suggest, Mike? Oh, I'm not a politician. I don't want to be. But, um, but they don't know yeah, either. Yeah, look, they don't know either, but I, certainly the Uber thing is a really good example to look at. Around the world, it's disrupting current economic models. We could permit that to happen as opposed to saying, okay, now we've got to have the GST section. That's what they did to Uber drivers recently. They said, well, you fall under the transport industry. You're going to have to have GST just like everybody else. So that's that means the Uber driver who's like, you know, I use Uber all the time. They're like 
people are starting families, doing extra hours. It's not something they need to, to go under that registration and start managing their taxes differently. They need to be, they need to actually capture that innovation and use it in a different way and, and permit other economic models to, to grow out of that. And the peer to peer sharing that's enabled by technology is, it's a really exciting space to be because it's, it is based on more social connection and trust and, uh, it can create new economic opportunities. So it's, it's just actually about capturing that, keeping the talent here in Australia. So maybe the government needs to perform, not a task force is a terrible word, but like a group that includes younger people or more innovative people or people with real experience in this territory. And because, I mean, the argument that Turnbull or government is going to put back to about Uber is they're going to say, well, look, these taxi drivers are going to pay money to buy their licence under a, uh, the old regime, and now they're going to get chewed away by UberX. You know, um, the Vietnamese lady picnicked up and offered him a minty and, a, and an orange juice when she had the kid in the, in the car and she dropped him from Rush Cutters Bay to the city and charged him nine bucks or whatever it is, which I think is awesome. I fucking love it. I think it's so Me cool. Too. But at the same time, I know there's a taxi driver who could be a Vietnamese guy from, you know, 25 years ago who's worked his ass off, but eventually bought himself a, a taxi licence, which cost him 80000 paid the lease on a taxi car and has worked from, you know, two in the morning till, you know, you know three shifts a day forever. Um, I can also see his argument or their argument as well. So what, the only one who can resolve this is government. So government has to get and say, okay, we don't want that guy to be out of work because we don't want an unemployment number. So what we have to do is we have to do two things. We have to be like Solomon. We have to sponsor the UberX initiative and we have to somehow compensate because it's not just about looking after you guys with tax benefits. It might be about saying to the guy from the taxi driver, listen, um, you don't have to pay tax the next three years or your tax rate, if you're a legitimate taxi driver and you can produce a licence and your income and all this stuff, your tax rate will drop from, you don't have to pay the same rate because we know we're going to displace you as a result of uh, incubating this innovation that is actually in line with what the rest of the world is doing. It's not fucking hard to do. Is, it, is that where you... I mean, do you get that bit? I, some, do you think that mindset there is, though? No, no, I'm just saying this is the mindset the government got to get. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, because someone's got to present both sides of the argument to both sides. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The problem is the government's got its mindset, its, its side of the argument, which is getting lobbied at by, you know, the big taxi lobby, which is a huge lobby. Um, then Uber, you know, the government's view on this would be, look, they're having a crack. They've already made a lot of money. They're worth, you know, $80 billion or whatever it is. Uh, they're rich enough. We don't need to alienate all the cab drivers in Australia because we're going to get a taxi lobby against us who put money behind it and they'll actually help us lose an election. So they've got to be practical about these things. At the end of the day, the government's interested in staying in power. There's got to be an element of phase in and phase out. Yeah, correct. That's my whole point. So we need someone to present both sides of the argument. We need a facilitation. This is like mediation, nearly. And I think that... Both sides of the argument, like we're, we've got a side of the argument here, like there's a big positive story that comes out of technology and the thing is that the problem for government is that for every winner and like for every policy decision they make, there's probably some winners and some losers and the losers will make 900 times more noise than the winners will who are usual, quietly yep. busy making money. So um, we've like, I think that, I think it's something that Turnbull's talked about as well, but but taking a bit more of a balanced approach to policy decisions and not necessarily listening to the, to the one really loud voice that's complaining. Or, yeah, correct, I agree, 100%. So the, I think what government needs is some sort of facilitation. They need to actually sit down and talk to you guys, or you, people who represent you guys, well, you guys, in fact, for that matter, because I think this is sort of quite refreshing. It would be, Turnbull would have no, or not so much Turnbull, but his advisors would have no exposure to any of this. Their, their chief of staffs, who are political chief of staffs, work their way up through, and I'm not saying necessarily Turnbull's chief of staff, but I'm talking about chief of staffs generally, um, have no exposure to what you guys have exposure to. They're a totally different generation. I know them because I'm them. I'm one of them. I'm lucky enough because I'm sort of doing this sort of stuff for a whole lot of reasons. But they have no you know, instinct around it either. And uh, so in their defence, they don't know what the hell they're doing. But what we, I think it's our obligation, because no one's going to do it for us, it's our obligation to educate them. Well, maybe Wyatt Roy could be the ambassador between startups and government. So he's, he's our generational younger... And he's also been given sort of a side portfolio, so maybe he's the answer. Maybe he's maybe the nice maybe that's really the, maybe that's why Tom put him there. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I've got to cut in, guys. We've run out of time. Oh shit! But um, look, anyone that said or is saying that Australia can't compete with the rest of the world isn't standing in this room. I mean, I see such immense talent here. Um, thank you all for coming in. I had a yeah, great time visiting you all and, and and getting to know your businesses. Thanks, guys. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you. Right, it's a pleasure. Thanks very much. It's been pretty cool. Thank you. Thank you.
So that was really interesting having everyone in. And for anyone listening out there, and myself as well, I'm really interested to know how do we get involved in what these guys are doing? How do we get involved in an incubator? Or for those people who've got a great idea, how do they make it happen like these people? We've got a pitch page that's now up and running on the site. Um, listeners, if you're out there, um, like I mentioned last on last week's show, there's some steps that, you know, some, some detail that, you know, that would be ideal when you're uploading your pitches. Take note of that. It's a message from dad there. Um, also the ability to upload your pitch decks. Um, I also so I'm also I was talking to the guy that runs the site the other day, and we're going to look at next week getting a, a page dedicated to the promotion of your businesses. So trying to work out where to put all the pictures once you send them in. You've got a lot of a lot of great video pictures and things in there, and um, I don't want to just bury them deep in the site somewhere. I want to have a dedicated page to promote your businesses. So we're going to be looking at getting that up and running over the over the coming weeks. Great. So markboris.com.au. Markboris.com.au and and. Of course, you can write us emails as well. Um, I endeavour to look at uh, as many emails as I can week to week. The email address is mb at markbrewers.com.au. Looking forward, this is the week ahead. Oh, this is a great show. I, and I, had, I, mean, I had some real good fun. Those, they're real good talent, these guys. Interesting, energetic, enthusiastic. It makes me get inspired. Um, I could have spoken to them two or three hours. Seems like, that seems to be the case every week. I don't think our, our, our podcasts are long enough, to be frank with you. I mean, especially with like Ange Postcoglu, the same thing. Total opposite to what these guys are doing. Um, maybe going to have to start doing another show each week. We might have to <laughs> start considering that. But, yeah, um, because yeah, you know, I'm actually having fun doing it and I think we're getting good, really good content. But Nick, takes out a show now. Sure. So just want to touch on what we're doing next week. Um, so we've got the uh, Streets of Sydney guys coming in, the comedic group, the guys that have, um, are due to launch their mockumentary, um, I think today or tomorrow is, is when it's out. So definitely check that out and we'll have them in next week to have a chat about their production journey, talk about um, you know the ins and outs of their business, the business behind comedy, the business behind production. Um, they're also going to bring in a few, of their, uh, a few of the guys that feature on the show as well. Um, we're going to have, have a talk to them about their own personal journey and how they've uh, um, how they've enjoyed being part of the Streets of Sydney documentary um, should be good fun and hopefully a few laughs as well. Cool, change it up. This has been the Mark Boris podcast. You can follow Mark on Twitter at Mark Boris and find out more at markboris.com.au. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.